Uh, you've got your hymn, uh, your blue sheet, for the 13th Sunday after Trinity. A familiar hymn, uh, Jesus Priceless Treasure. Uh, it's in TLH, LSP, <coughs> Lutheran Worship, cut one stanza out. Had five stanzas, they left off number five. Uh, so we got all six uh, here. Written uh, author is Johann Frank. Uh, he was a German poet. He was also a lawyer and uh, uh, wrote this uh, typical kind of beginning of the 17th century, uh, a little more expressive and a little more emotional, personal, speaking of Jesus as a friend, a bridegroom, a deep longing, uh, much in the way of emotions, uh, uh, speaks of this. It's actually uh, taken from a, or based upon a love song, so that kind of fits with it. Uh, Heinrich Albert wrote a uh, a song, other than the first line, which was, Flora, I guess a name, Flora, my joy, my soul's pasture, uh, it was changed uh, by Frank to Jesus, my joy, my heart's pasture. Uh, however, uh, Catherine Winkworth often uh, played a little loose with some of the uh, translations, and uh, uh, hers is Jesus, priceless treasure, source of purest pleasure. So uh, that's the, the hymn that we have. So let's. Take a look at it. Jesus, priceless treasure, source of purest pleasure. Jesus, priceless treasure, source of purest pleasure. Truest friend to me. Truest friend to me. So this uh, purest pleasure, this being a friend, obviously you can see a rather uh, emotional uh, hymn of sorts. Long my heart hath panted, till it well nigh fainted, thirsting after thee. And so we see the uh, uh, desiring the uh, like water. Uh, you can't can't live uh, without it. Um, this last week, uh, with our 9,800 degrees, um, uh, my wife noticed, she goes, that cat is panting. She says, usually you see dogs do that, you know, they don't see cats. Um, here, panting uh, after Christ. Thine I am, O spotless lamb. I will suffer not to hide thee. Ask for naught beside thee. So it speaks of this great desire for Christ that I can't live uh, without him, uh, a treasure, a friend, uh, like water I can't uh, do without. Um, finally referring to him as uh, the lamb who is out is without a spot. Um, and if I have him, nothing else do I need. Stanza 2 begins to speak about uh, the foes that come up against uh, those who hold on to Christ, uh, similar to many of our hymns also written uh, at the time of the Thirty Years' War. In thy arms I rest me, foes who would molest me, Cannot reach me here. Cannot reach me here. And so we're going to speak about the foes, but uh, they have no power because I'm with Christ. Uh, and here, that sensual imagery of being in the arms of, of Jesus. Though the earth be shaking, every heart be quaking. Though the earth be shaking, every heart be quaking. Jesus calms my fear. Jesus calms my fear. Sin and hell in conflict fell. 
With their heaviest storms assail me. Jesus will not fail me. So it speaks of those foes, Satan, it speaks of hell, speaks of sin, uh, speaks of the storms. To be with Jesus doesn't mean that you're, uh, uh, everything's going to be just fine and dandy. Uh, it means that there's going to be great uh, struggles. However, they've all been defeated, and though uh, it all uh, comes at us, they can't harm us. Uh, and that's the great uh, thing. With stanza number three, it personifies, and the uh, writer, uh, psalmist, I guess, speaks directly to the foe. Satan, I defy thee. Satan, I defy thee. And then to another foe, death, I need not fly thee. Death, I need not fly thee. Fear, another one, fear, I bid thee cease. So, I'm going to say no to Satan, I'm not going to run away from death, and uh, fear might as well stop. Going on, rage, O world, thy noises cannot drown our voices. Rage, O world, thy noises cannot drown our voices. So now it speaks of the church that is singing the praises, singing still of peace. For God's power guards every hour. For God's power guards every hour. Earth and all its steps adore him, silent bow before him. Earth and all its steps adore him, silent bow before him. And so we see that uh, uh, despite what all they do, uh, God has them under his power. He's the one who controls all these things. And finally, they will all uh, bow before him. Stanza number four. Uh, Wealth, I will not heed thee. Wherefore should I need thee? Jesus is my joy. Jesus is my joy. Um, Winkworth uh, had Jesus is my choice. Um, you might remember even from TLH or, or some of these. Um, it happens to be the word loosed in, uh, in German. Joy would be uh, just fine. Jesus is my joy. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I don't need the wealth and those things to give me joy and happiness. Uh, even things like honors, you may glisten, but I will not listen. Ye the soul destroy. Ye the soul destroy. So to trust in those will do nothing, not to save the soul, but will actually destroy it. Now, those things come, but we are not to direct our trust to them. Want or loss or shame or cross. Want or loss or shame or cross. Ne'er to leave my Lord shall move me. Since he deigns to love me. And so. Can I ask you, what did you say the German words for this? Lust. L A U with an umlaut. Um, Lust. Uh, yeah. Uh, the last one, our Lord desires, he deigns, he wills to love us. And because of his willing to love us, he has drawn us to himself. He's given us the gospel, given us faith. Uh, this is the one who has done that for us. In stanza number five, uh, you have the word farewell three times. There's actually a, a fourth time uh, under past your hour, O oh, pomp and power, that, that there. To say it's past the hour, it would also be a farewell. But... Uh, for a little German for you, it doesn't begin uh, with the words uh, um, Auf Wiedersehen or, or something like <laughs> farewell, see you later. Um, quite interestingly, it begins, uh, each one of those four stanzas begins with the words Gute Nacht, which is good night. <laughs> 
bidding all of these things, good night, you're done, it's all over. Um, and so, uh, uh, farewell, gute nach, yeah. uh, evil world I leave thee, or thou who chooses the earth and heaven, earth and heaven refusest, thou wilt tempt me in vain, I'm not going to be, uh, uh, good, good night, farewell, sins, nor blind me, get ye far behind me, come not forth again, and past your hour, or good night, O pomp and power, godless life, thy bonds I sever, good night now, forever, this kind of farewell, you're done. Um, None of these things uh, can, uh, 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 they're they're going to come to an end. Stanza six, hence all fears and sadness, For the Lord of gladness, gladness, Jesus enters in. in. So our Lord has entered into our life uh, to give us the gladness, the joy that passes understanding, or peace, as it's going to say in a little bit. Uh, What's going to happen? Those who love the Father, Father, though the storms may gather, and they will, still have peace within. Still have peace within. Yea, whatever I hear must bear. Still in thee lies purest pleasure. Jesus, priceless treasure. Jesus, priceless treasure. We'll sing stanza one. Then the rest of it later. Um, my wife says we got to hit that note because it goes down low or goes up high, right? Uh, not that one. Jesus, priceless treasure, source of purest pleasure. Rufus, friend to me, long my heart hath panted, till it well nigh fainted, thirsting after thee. I nigh am most spotless land. I will suffer not to hide thee. Peace not beside thee. All right, we're on our catechism. We're on the close of the commandments. If you've got your little book, it's on page 12. Close of the commandments. Thus says, he thus says, what does God say of all these commandments? Answer, he says thus, he says, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. Unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And showing mercy unto thousands of them. That love me and keep my commandments. The section out of Exodus 20. Uh, in which our Lord has delivered the uh, Ten Commandments, uh, and in particular this one, uh, uh, already right in the, in, in the middle of the text, says there is really only two options. That is, there are those who hate me, and there are those who love me. And there is iniquity, visiting the iniquity, the wickedness of those who hate him, uh, but... Uh, of those who love him, he is showing uh, mercy to them. He, he's not punishing iniquity. He is, he is showing mercy. So he, he's speaking simply of only two options. Let's see how Luther explains it. What does this mean? Answer. God threatens to punish. God threatens to punish. 
All that transgress these commandments. All that transgress these commandments. Therefore we should fear his wrath. Therefore we should fear his wrath. And not act contrary to them. So Luther speaks about the threatening of punishment. What about the second part? But he promises grace and every blessing. But he promises grace and every blessing. To all that keep these commandments. To all that keep these commandments. Therefore we should also love and trust in him. Therefore we should also love and trust in him. And willingly do according to his commandments. So the last part, as Luther divides it into two parts, he promises grace and every blessing, and thus uh, we should love and trust in him. Two parts. That's all there is. Hmm. What about in the middle? What about? Hmm. I love him mostly, but sometimes. What about not keeping his commandments always, but keeping his commandments sometimes? Or little? Um, There's a lot of things when we talk about, there's only two options, heaven and hell. But you can see where someone would come and say, what about this purgatory thing? What about this in the middle kind of of things. Um, so, if I would ask you, so uh, do you feel like you're in the love God and keep His commandments? Do you feel like the doing iniquity, hating God, or do you kind of feel like, well, I'm in the middle. I mean, we kind of do. And so it kind of appeals to us. And so this idea of purgatory or something, there's got to be a middle. There's got to be, I mean, you know, I don't go home and kick the dog, but, yeah. Well, we know that we can't. God, obey all his commandments. So the next best thing we think, once in a while, do it. I can't get here, but maybe, maybe I can, yeah. Yeah, there is always that. Um, hmm. So there's got to be two ways. Um, well, what happens usually? What usually we do is where it says that they are to uh, love and trust in him and willingly do according to his commandments. We look at that and go, you know, I can't. I haven't. Um, so what do we do? We, we, we water it down. And we say, well, it doesn't require perfection, but at least requires some, something. Or, or even, even then we say, well, it doesn't require that you actually do it, but this just that you want to do it. Right? Um, this is kind of the, you know, when, when someone tells you something, well, I get up every morning and I do this and this and this, and you go, oh, I, 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 I wish I could do that. I kind of want to do that. No, no. Do you do it? Well, no. So you think, well, maybe as long as you give it a shot. And so we water down the... the but then there is the kind of the doing wrong, the iniquity, um, transgressing the commandments, and we go, well, I, I keep keep it. I, I don't I don't break all of it. You try to water one side down or or the other. In other words, well, of course God would be mad if I broke all ten. But he's just a little angry with five. And he's, he's just, you know, we don't like these two 
uh, uh, options. Hating God, hating God and breaking His commandments. Loving God and keeping the commandments. Hmm. But those are the two options. Luther says in the large catechism, he says, when you get done with the Ten Commandments, he says, no, we can't do it. He says, that's why what follows after it is the creed and the Lord's Prayer, which comes to our help. Because what? We begin to realize, wait, we need the creed, which tells us who God is and what he has done for us. And then with our prayers, we cry out for help because that shows us we can't do it. Okay, first of all, on the side that love God and keep his commandments, who's done that? Jesus has. Jesus has. And we know he has done it perfectly, without a doubt. Um, we talk about that his obedience, his keeping the law for us, is then credited to us for righteousness. So, when it comes to you to say, have you kept the commandments, the only way you can say yes is because what? I believe in Jesus. And what he got is credited. How did you keep the commandments? I go, look at Jesus. Look at him. He's the one I trust in. So you're right. On this side, all we have is the Christ who has kept it for us. He did it perfectly. What was the other? I interrupted you. Saint so, and sinner. I feel like we're in limbo, but when you're talking about faith, no, I'm 100% here. That other one just goes away. Um, that's where our faith always says, no. Um, I confess my sins, and I'm done with that. I'm over here. Jesus is one for me. We think maybe if we could just get rid of the wrath of God, then that would be a little bit easier. But it doesn't, it's always there. And as Jane said, that leads us to confess our sins. I mean, we're never done with that. Um, that remains. But, you know, you kind of go, well, if you want to stand here, you've got despair. If you want to stand here, you're never reaching. The Christian somehow does what? He remains both saint and sinner. The saint part teaches us what Christ has done for us. The sinner part shows us our sins and we confess it, saying, I need help. I'm trying uh, both of these in that way. Um, so, yes, that's what the Ten Commandments are. They, we, we never get well, comfortable with it. We get comfortable with it only insofar as we grab onto the Christ who we can't do.
yes, yes. Um, he's given me the victory because I can't, I don't have the victory. He, he, he must give that to us. When we come back to the commandments, and we're going to get to them tonight, um, uh, it, 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 it fits together so well, where Jesus is going to be uh, telling the parable uh, of the Good Samaritan to the man who uh, wants to get to heaven. And uh, he says, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, all right, what's the Ten Commandments? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Where there is an obedience to the Ten Commandments, it has to come from a change of heart. It has to come from the faith which produces love. That's the only way that there comes any fruits of righteousness, any love of neighbor of that. For the unregenerate, for the one who has no faith, outward, external, does not keep the commandments. Ever. Ever. Are there times in which believers keep the commandments? Yes, through faith. And we have to say all thanks be to God because that's the only way it comes out. Where we go, oh, look what the Lord did. Um, that's what is... Uh, being being worked, um, but we've got to we've got to have both of these uh, taught in order that we might uh, remain in the faith. There are those and and um, there are those who kind of go, yeah, I got the Ten Commandments, yeah, I know about the gospel. I, it's all the same to me. It's just God, you know, teaching us stuff. You can't. Um, You're either going to despair or you're going to trust in yourself. The only other way is by a proper distinction of law and gospel. With the close of the commandments, Luther maintains that, and I've kept myself from saying it this far, but it's the word balance. And, And that's not quite the right word. Because somehow you've got to hold both these things together. It's not a balance like one goes up and one goes down. It's, I've got to be able to hold up. Yep, I've sinned and fallen short. Lord, help me. And yes, I am a saint and saved because I believe in Christ. It's, it's both. And only then will you keep from falling off either side of the horse. Right, right, right. I can confess my sins without despair. I can confess my sainthood without boasting in my own right. Absolutely. Romans 5.8 is our uh, passage for tonight. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That demonstrates God's love. His love is not conditioned upon our change, our desire, or anything of that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That demonstrates But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verse 8. All right, let me light the candles. We'll begin. Page 224, please stand. God to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It's from Luke chapter 10. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it. And to hear what you hear and have not heard it. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend... When I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is God's word. Our hymn, Jesus Christ is priceless treasure, source of purest pleasure, true rest friend to me, long my heart was panted, till it well nigh fainted, thirsting after spotless lamb I will suffer not to hide thee ask for not beside thee in thine arms I rest me those who would molest me cannot reach me Satan, 
thy defy thee. Death, I need not fly thee. Fear, I did decease. Rage, O world, thy noises. And not drown our voices. Singing still of peace. For God's power guards every hour. Earth and all its steps adore him. Silent thou before him. Wealth I will not heed thee. Wherefore should I heed thee? Jesus is my joy. Honors ye may listen, but I will not listen. Ye thus all destroy, want or loss or shame or cross, now to keep my Lord shall hold me. And he deigns to love me. Farewell, thou who chooses. Earth and heaven refuses. Thou wilt tempt in vain. Farewell, sins, nor blind me. Yet ye far behind me, come not forth again. Past your hour, O pomp and power, godless life, thy bonds I sever. Farewell now, all fears and sadness for the Lord of gladness Jesus centers in those who love the Father though the storms may gather still have peace within All right, so last week we had a Pharisee and we had a tax collector. The Pharisee was trusting in himself. Uh, or actually, two weeks ago, we had a Pharisee and a tax collector. Uh, last week, uh, we had the uh, asking for uh, mercy for the uh, deaf and, and, and mute man. But uh, now we got a lawyer. Verse 25, a lawyer. What about this occupation of being a lawyer? Is this, a, is this like being a tax collector? Um, is that a sinful vocation? It was a theological lawyer? Someone who studies the, the law. So we wouldn't call them a lawyer today. We would call them... A theologian, or a Bible scholar, or maybe a pastor. Whoa. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, so we got a guy that wants to study the Bible. What does he do? This certain Bible scholar, this theologian, stood up and began to test Jesus. He wants to check and see if he knows his stuff. Because this guy studies the Bible. He knows it. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
question is, what do you got to do to get to heaven? If it's a matter of doing, what's the answer? It's obey the Ten Commandments. That's the answer. If you're saying, what do I got to do? That's what you got to do. Now, we know, yeah, I can't do it. He couldn't do it. But that's not the question. The question is, what do I got to do? And he says, all right, it's the Ten Commandments. Um, Jesus uh, asked him, he's testing Jesus, but Jesus turns it back on him. What, what, What is written in the law? If you're a lawyer and you study the law, tell me what the law says. If you're a Bible scholar, what's the Bible say about this? What's your, what's your reading of it? Um, you got a take on it. Tell me what you think. He answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So you're to love God, you're to love your neighbor. Well, is that a little easier? Loving God and loving... Is that a little easier than keeping the Ten Commandments? Just loving God? Does that work? Um, I, I don't have to. I don't have to keep the ticket. I just have to love God. What now? That's what the Ten Commandments are about. That's what they're about. Oh, so I guess he could have listed them off, but instead, we often talk about the two tables of the law, the first table dealing with love of God. If you love God... You keep the commandments. Those things go together. If you love your neighbor, you do commandments 4 through 10 as it relates to your neighbor. Ah, so this man comes back with, what do I got to do? Jesus says, well, what do you think? He says, you got to keep the commandments. You got to love God. You got to love your neighbor. Jesus says, you have answered rightly. I completely agree. Um, I completely agree. Do this, and you will live. You will have eternal life. If you do this, you have eternal life. Is that right? It's correct. It's true. It's exactly what God's Word says, only according to the law. The problem is, is, we know you can't. I think it's interesting, just to preempt this, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what do we do to inherit eternal life? Well, we have to have a rich father or mother. What do we have to do with that? Nothing. What else? What else is there? What can What can anybody do to inherit eternal life? Or anything as far as that goes. I, I think that's interesting because he's all. He's already failed as soon as he makes that statement. And yet he thinks that he can do something to make himself a child of God. He can do something to make himself get the inheritance. That's exactly what he says. So Jesus gives him the law answer, gives it to him right the way he was. Um, Everything at this point is... Is, is good. It's correct. It's, it's going down the line. Well, except for the part where it says he wants to test Jesus. Um... Obviously, he doesn't understand who Jesus is. But, despite all that, everything goes pretty well till we get to verse 29. But he, that is the theologian, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Wanting to justify himself. Well, how could we couldn't just justify it? How couldn't he? How couldn't he say, "Yeah, I, that's it"? How come he's still what? What's well, he's seeing a problem with some of those people that might be his neighbor. Ah, <laughs> not with himself. I think he. I mean, you can't deny the guilt that you feel inside, and I think he, in his heart, knows that he has trouble loving some of those people around him. God, I can handle with this. Those people, well, maybe if I could just minimize. This man cannot justify himself. He knows it's impossible. At least he's logically 
gone through this and said, I can't declare myself righteous because I have sin. And sin always declares me to be evil and to wicked if there is any sin present. Um, And so, I would like to justify myself, but you're going to have to make the law easier. One of the ways that we can make the law easier is we cut out the number of people that we have to love. Let's narrow this thing down. The Jews already had a plan for this. In fact, when Jesus came and talked about love your enemies, that was completely against them. They had already come to, and there were several rabbis, that would say about uh, um, that, that you could hate your enemies. That was all right. Now, it was a misreading of the Psalms um, where it talks about uh, uh, how uh, we hate those who hate you kind of thing. It's talking about the sin and the wickedness. But they would say you can love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That would be okay. This man is wanting to... Can, can you... Who is my neighbor? Would it include Samaritans the ones who had messed up God's law, the ones who were the enemies and often uh, caused trouble. For example, when they came back from uh, exile in Babylon, they were wanting to build the temple. There were the Samaritans in the land that kept uh, uh, wouldn't allow them, would always fight with them. They had to build with one hand, they have a sword in the other. That was the people that they were upset at. And so it, you can't mean all of those. Who is my neighbor? So that's what he's wanting. Mary? What about those thieves the man fell among? Ooh. You're supposed to love them too? Man. Um, so, can we cut it down? Can we, can we, can we narrow it? Um, Jesus tells uh, a parable. He tells a story. He tells a story of a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Um, this man who's going to Jerusalem, uh, he's a Jew. That's why he's going to Jerusalem. He's going there to worship. Um, yeah, it was very dangerous. Uh, this man was attacked. He was stolen. He was left for dead. Uh, the priest, and again, like the story with the Pharisee and the tax collector, we expected the Pharisee to get it. He's got the, you know, he knows it all, whatever, and he's the one who is not saved. In this story, we've got a priest, we've got a Levite, a helper, and then we got a Samaritan. The priest, he's the godly one. We expect him to do something. What happens? Crosses to the other side. He will have nothing to do with that man. The Levite, he is the helper of the priest. The Levites were intended to do all of the altar guild, the elder job, the acolyte job, the usher job, the uh, trustee job. They did all of those. What about him? Pass by on the other side. The ones that we expected to help do not. And yet, what, what could be the reason for not helping? Oh, there are regulations. And the regulations said, you know, if you uh, uh, touch something dead, and who knows, this guy might die on us, you're not going to be able to uh, uh, do your job in the temple, at least until the next day. There has to be an, uh, a night, and you have to your right. Um, I got stuff to do. Um, I'm, whoa, I am late for church. I don't have time to bind up your wounds, to help you, to do whatever. Interesting enough, these were the ones who pretty well had the love your God stuff, you would think, down. And here, all of a sudden, the love your neighbor, they completely miss. It's not because they have the other right. Then a Samaritan comes. A Samaritan, as I said, is a a known enemy of the Jews. And yet, what does this man do? He stops. uh, He binds up his wounds, pours on oil and wine, puts him on his own animal, takes him uh, to the hospital, uh, pays his health care bill, and says, if there's anything else, I'll be back. um, And I'll pick it all up. 
the one that we don't expect, the one that we go, no, uh, um, couldn't be. But that's who it is. Jesus gets to the end. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Hmm. Which one was neighbor? Was a neighbor? Which one was neighborly? If you're supposed to love your neighbor, you have to be neighborly. It's the Samaritan. And they know it. Um, What does it let you know? Bible knowledge, theologian, uh, even, you know, you might say, uh, wearing a robe and doing the liturgy and, and, and doing uh, preaching and whatever, it doesn't matter. That, that's not important. Um, none of those churchly kind of things. Which one loved his neighbor? Was neighborly, loved his neighbor. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the man answered, He who showed mercy on him. What does that mean? Showed mercy. It was compassion, right. Uh, passion is, 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 passio is the word for suffering. Uh, we talk about the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, talking about his suffering. Uh, compassion is the word with, passion with, suffering with. What happens is you go and you take up their suffering and you make it your own. And you share it. You share with them. And so this man uh, uh, fixes his wounds, does this. That is compassion. He has mercy upon him. Uh, does, this, does, does this man deserve to be helped? No, he had mercy. Uh, the Samaritan was merciful to him, gave him what he didn't deserve, uh, loved him in these ways. What does this show the lawyer, the certain lawyer? What does he begin? What, what does this story make him realize? This story is designed for that lawyer. Brian. I can't do it. <laughs> yes. I can't keep the law. I can't love my God, my neighbor, my What did the lawyer trust in? <laughs> um, theoretically we can talk about it we can talk about loving God we can talk about doing those things and Jesus finds says okay you got the right answer now what does he do do it, do it. Um, maybe you've heard me say before there are sometimes I get into I've, 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 I've Argued, you know, a theological point. We've talked about things, and, and finally, someone comes to a certain point where they say, "Well, no, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you you know, you don't you, you don't have to be married, and you can do whatever you want, and everything's fine." And and sometimes when you when you get someone to that point, or you get them to the point where where they do this kind of, you know, well, I made a decision for Jesus, and I know my decision is right, and whatever, and you go, so how that's how's that working out for you? Just, just give it to them. Let them concede their answer and say, so, how, how's it working? Um, how is it to... Uh, um, so, I, I, you're comfortable with that? Oh, yes, yes, I'm comfortable. Okay. Um, I, I know. I, I'll go away with that. See how long that lasts. You know, it might be good now. Um, uh, how's it going to be for you when uh, um, you know the, uh, the person that's with you uh, doesn't want to make a lifelong commitment to be with you? Does that bother you? Um, that you're not going to have children and grandchildren? Does that bother you? Uh, does it bother you that you know? And so you give them give them the rope and let them have it. Jesus says to the man, "Okay, you got the answers. Go and do it. Just get it done. Um, try it." Um, 
Maybe you've done this with your child before, in which they've told you, you know, well, you ought to just do it this way. And you go, all right, go for it. You step back and let them do it. You know it's going to fail. You know it can't work. Try it. Um, that's, that's what he does. He gives him uh, uh, the chance and says, do it. The guy says, can you cut that down to size? He gets to the end and he says, nope. I'm not going to cut down the number of neighbors that you have. Whoever you'll run into, and if it happens to be a Samaritan, your mortal enemy, you're going to love him. That's what's given to do. No exclusions. Go for it. Then Jesus said to him, go and do like... He gives it to him again. Why does Jesus not give him gospel at the end? Why doesn't Jesus get to the end and say, forgiveness is free... God, in his mercy, you know, sent me to die for you. Because he knows he can't hear it. Why can't he hear it? The gospel. Why he can't? Why can't he hear the gospel? He hasn't despaired of himself yet. Yeah. The, the law has not broken him yet. He still thinks he can do it. He still thinks, and if you put the right thing on, I can still get this done. I can tell you the gospel but I don't need the gospel. I'm still trying to keep the law. And when someone does that, you have to give them full strength law. Now, it's not that you never mention the gospel. Again, I would, I would mention about myself. But I would say to them, you know, but here's the law for you. Mary? Um, not only can he do it, I think the story gives him a picture that, you know, he calls it mercy, that he hadn't really thought about before, which is what I think about sometimes when I read the passages where they're bothering uh, Jesus about doing this or that on the Sabbath, is they think that they have, can follow, but if your if you're sheep falls in a hole on the Sabbath, you're going to do something about it, and I, I think this sets them up with a real-life situation. People say sometimes, how does it apply in my life? There's how it applies. And I think a light bulb could go off, and maybe this guy could go in the right direction. After all, Jesus knows how to teach. No doubt about it. We don't know the end of this story. This is the end according to the scriptures. Does the man come back? Does he realize? Does At this point, Jesus leaves him with law and law, and then he sends him away with more law. And puts up a situation that we are going to talk about again. And you have to let it run its course and, uh-huh. and all. Now, once again, you know there are some where Jesus talks about like the, uh, the Pharisees, and it says, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I say to you, you know, and so then he, he talks about, you know, you think if you haven't divorced your wife, let's talk about lust, and let's talk about, and so he, he kind of does. With this one, this guy comes to him saying, love. He's not just an external kind of guy. He's saying, oh yeah, you love your neighbor, and you love God. And Jesus says, okay. Try it. Yeah, that neighbor thing. Can we cut that? No, we can't. It's it's the way you had it the first time. You got it right. Now you have to see your need. Um, At the top of this story is kings and priests, or kings and prophets, prophets and kings, desired, they had already seen their need. They desired for Jesus to come. They were all waiting for him to come. In this story, Jesus comes. And what does the lawyer do? Instead of grabbing on to him, he tests him. It's the exact opposite of what needs to happen. And again, it's because the law has not done its work and he doesn't yet see his need. Comments, questions? All right. Let's go on with our recite word by word, our pink sheet. What the Ten Commandments? Nobody wants those this time. Huh? Oh, <laughs> Pastor Rune, Apostles' Creed, Karn, Lord's Prayer. 
Then baptism, then confession, absolution, Mary and sacrament of the altar. Jane, please stand. The Ten Commandments teach what we are to do. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The Apostles' Creed teaches what God does and gives. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer teaches how we should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. But lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Holy baptism brings us into the Christian community. Christian baptism, the water connected with the word, is truly God's own word received by faith that it might impart salvation and comfort in all person affliction. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned. Confession and absolution is the voice of the gospel. It is the proper use of the gospel to believe the absolution of our sins and to be assured that they are forgiven us without any merit of our own through Christ and that when we believe the words of absolution, we are as surely reconciled to God as if we heard a voice from heaven. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The sacrament of the altar is food for the soul.
Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity. And as we do obtain that which you promise, make us to love that which you command. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Let us bless the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.